Hello, Omniverse. I'm Joe Bear. I'm Zach. And I'm Diego. And this is Behind the Beard. Or lack thereof. Today, we're continuing on our uh, new series, All About Change. We're going to focus in about challenging the status quo, you know, kind of keeping that fuel of innovation and that creativity going forward as we continue to challenge those, this is how we've always done it mantras, right? Uh, you know, the point of asking the question of challenging the status quo is not necessarily to burn that status quo to the ground, but it's to identify the elements within there that are preventing that innovation itself. You know, after all, there are good reasons that organizations do things the way they do, and there's no need to fix something that's broken. But there's always room for innovation and to improve the process. As our technology keeps growing, we keep getting further into the automation piece of it all, and we keep staying ahead of the curve. I hate the way that it says, oh, this is the way we've always done it. Maybe that's a strong word, but that's definitely how I feel about it. I always want to look at it. This can be done simpler. This can be done better. This can be better for everyone involved. Um, you know, in, Zach, what is your thought process on, you know, challenging the status quo and the innovation? And the, the biggest thing that first sticks out for me is people get this. It's easy to just keep going, right? You just said it. It's It's the way it's done. And I think even in like you're in an interview with somebody and you're like even having that moment of like kind of faking it to sound the best. And you're like, yeah, I've always want to be that person who push, push, push. And then you see that person to be in a, in a setting, maybe it's yourself and you're not like, oh, I'm just going to adapt to what the company's doing because this is scary. I'm not going to put myself out there. Like I'm just going to keep going with the mold and I'm not going to, you know, step up. But in those moments where you step up and you do change something, it can be a, a small minor change. And what, the impact for that small change can carry down the line to larger changes, larger impacts. And I think that's where there's a lot of, you know, untapped um, opportunity overall. I do like that. Um, I think you're you're headed into the right direction where the tendency of the human brain is to, you know, fixate on that first solution or, you know, even the, okay, well, it's always been done. So that is the solution. Um, and yet there's very little research, you know, that suggests that that is the right process. That's the, the best ideas, the first one or the one that's already been done. You know, a lot of it is we've got to get in the mindset of challenging the ideas of what can come and how to make it better itself. You know, we don't want to put ourselves in a mindset of I'm not going to challenge this. It's just an illusion of better processes are out there. And then, honestly, you got to look at it and kind of step back into, you know, even personal side of this is when I do challenge the the status quo, the way it's always been done, you know, is that my one and done idea? Or is it, okay, well, what is going to be my next idea out there? How do we continue this innovation? How do we continue to build up this stamina of creating ideas and creating solutions to challenge what is really out there? Diego, what do you feel is the, the best way to, you know, kind of take some of these ideas and really start to implement them. So it ties in with what we have talked in the last two episodes, right? The first one is that fear of the unknown and the awareness of that fear. And the second one is chasing being uncomfortable. Right? I think if we keep those two things in mind all the time, we can move forward with innovation and with creating new things because we're aware of when we are just doing the same thing all over again. 
right? And when when we can actually challenge that, if we chase that that uncomfortable, and if we look at the, if we go past those fears, we can we can start challenging. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, don't get me wrong, challenging and changing the status quo can be scary, right? And often requires the the courage and willingness to go against the grain, you know, while potentially butting heads, um, you know, which. It's never fun, right? But uh, you know, with those that are less open to new ideas, you know, Zach, if I ask you, kind of like, how how do you take those steps into what do we gain from challenging these everyday mantras to moving into the next step? Well, I'm gonna start with self um, because at the end of the day, you have to look out for yourself. And I've been in countless situations where. I have had this thought, idea, process, innovation, something to make what we're talking about better. A lot of these things for me come in meetings, right? We're in some work meeting because something is not happening. Usually, I don't want to say usually, but you're not always meeting just to celebrate a success, right? But a lot of times it's because, hey, something's all on fire. We need to fix it. But I've learned over the time is I've sat quiet in these meetings or sat quiet in these interactions and I had an idea. And then the thing that, you know, just irks me the most or grinds my gears is beating up myself because, you know, somebody like Joe goes on mute and says exactly what I was thinking and everybody loves it. Or <laughs> there's like that moment of like, oh man, like I was, I really was about to like think that. And I was like, no, everybody's gonna think that's dumb. Everybody's gonna think that's dumb. Um, and I think that, that, you know, being able to push myself to create that idea, create that image, every time I do it, it's ne- it's not always going to be, you know, standing ovation, Zach has a new great idea, because some of those times, you know, one person might silently clap for you, and everybody else is like, mm, no, that's not going to work, or that's not going to do it. But if you keep going and keep pushing yourself out there, then you're creating, you know, almost like a legacy of of what could be um out there so kind of roundabout way but and it's like progressing with everything right it's little steps and it's one thing at a time and you keep moving towards a big goal because sometimes what scares us is thinking like i gotta make this huge change and turn it all the way around but it doesn't have to be that way right you can go little by little and sometimes you'll make right choices sometimes you may not uh sometimes people will support you sometimes they will not but uh, little by little you can challenge that status quo and if you don't, I mean, you're evading your own capacities, your own possibilities, and that all just comes down to like your self-sabotage. I know we're talking about changing for larger pieces, but just your you the change starts with somebody, like a human, a person, and you know we're putting a bot in place. We're doing this. It comes from a mind, and if you're stopping it, then you're just gonna keep in the status quo. It goes back to you know, when we're in grade school. I think. Just it's the human tendency to fixate on the right answer. Two plus two is four, right? You know, we need that concrete answer itself. And when we're in business, we're facing new problems or challenging the status quo. I think we all want to take a step back and say, this is the right answer. But that's really not the right answer when it comes to the heart of idea flow, which is where we need to keep moving forward into it. You know, I, I think about, you know, writing an email from time to time. Is this the right subject line? Is this the right context of the body? Is this the right race? Erase. <laughs> this, thank goodness for Grammarly to fix a lot of it. I know Microsoft has improved their 
their idea generation of words or synonyms. And that helps me get to the right answer to feel confident enough within myself to click send. But it's not always going to be like that. When we're working on, like you said, the idea itself is being challenged. It's not working for a reason or we're seeing a future problem and we have to go challenge that status quo of what we're doing now because it's not going to work in our future. So yeah, sometimes you might walk into a process and, and look at it and think about ways that it can be improved. But once you try to to, to change it, it, it doesn't work. Like, for example, um, I'm wearing this shirt today because it challenges the status quo. Uh, and this is from, from a brand called Psychobunny, uh, founded by Robert Godley. He was once appointed uh, head of creative at, at Polo Ralph Lauren. And he went in there and only lasted six weeks in that job because he was trying to do things different and they didn't want to change the way that they were doing things. Um, so what he, when, when he left was, okay, I'm going to start doing my own shirts the way that I wanted to make them when I was appointed. And he started creating this brand and, and they started selling like little and now they have grown global and stuff. And it's, I think it's one of great example of somebody who challenged the status quo first, uh, then go well on that first attempt, obviously. Uh, and then, and then he made it work on that second, on that second round. It's like the, you know, fail fast, but he, you know, reiterated and had a backup plan, right? Like maybe he didn't even have that backup plan going into the situation. I don't, I don't think he did. I think he was just like fired but, and unemployed. Like a, what do I do now? I'm tired of this. I'm over it. You know, I think of, I don't know, every time I just random how my brain works, I'm like, oh, Polo, Ralph. I've always wondered, is it Loren or Lauren? Lauren, Loren, Loren. I don't know. But I always think, <laughs> also how my brain works, but I always think Rachel Green from Friends. But that's a total, like, sway to the side. Um, but I mean, going back to the actual topic at hand, I, I think a lot of that time where you, maybe you go into a different organization or you're with a whole different, maybe you're at a conference or maybe you're just in a conversation with different people and it, things are just, okay, none of this is sticking, none of this is working, but then you're in a different place. There's opportunity when you're around different people, different ideas, different organizations. And sometimes things that didn't work in the past can have that ability to work in the future. Yeah, that's a powerful statement there, Zach, where it's important to realize that status quo is a bias. You know, it's a preference of us as human beings to stay the same. I mean, that, that's creature comforts that we've talked about in the past. And, you know, we're, as a human, adverse to the change itself. So we want to adhere to this bias of being the status quo. So that way we fit in, we survive, we continue forward. But anymore, this bias is problematic, especially in business, because growth requires change. Companies and cultures you know, truly are living, breathing entities that that change with the people inhabit them, right? Zach, I can remember when you joined, you know, on the interactions, we changed. We adapted to bringing in your thoughts and your ideas. Uh, Diego, when you are now on this behind the beard, our thoughts and our ideas are changing because you're involved with us now. Um, you know, so policies that worked for one generation of contractors or employees is probably going to fall on deaf ears to the next. You know, so either the certification that we've done in the past is not going to work for us in the future as we continue to grow. Technology changes. We are finding ways to reduce the amount of tasks that it's at hand for everyone. We can make it better for all. Now, I know as we go through this realization that the status quo is biased, you know, that Diego, I know you've got some 
history hidden behind there as far as, you know, how does this imply and how has this been kind of a human tendency throughout time? Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's this this art movement called Futurism. And the movement was started by Filippo Marinetti in Italy. And he wrote the manifesto for it. Like he realized what he wanted to do in the art world after he crashed his car. And you can think about this as early 20th century and a lot of changes are happening, right? The industry is growing. Uh, there are actually cars available that people can drive and can drive them fast and crash. Um, and he's realizing all of these things happening around them and he goes and, and write about it. I'm just gonna write you one paragraph from it. Um, and it goes like this. Look at us, we're not out of breath. Our hearts are not in the least tired for they are nourished by fire and speed. Does this surprise you? It is because you do not even remember being alive. Standing on the world summit, we launch once more our challenge to the stars. This basically talking to the rest of artists going to trying to be the Renaissance all over again or trying to do whatever was done before. And it's like we have all of these new things that we can try, these new things that we can do, these new materials. Let's go and build the future because what he, he what then he goes to to focus on is anything that's happening right now or anything that's in the past is dead and that's gone. We shall focus on what's coming and what we can build for the future. I also there's hear only a lot so many, there's only so many things that you can do to keep like car, we're talking about like car crash, like that kind of a, where I'm going with it. But, you know, there's only so many times you can repair a car before you have to throw it away. It goes in the junkyard, right? Like you can't keep, you know, slapping on these fixes, slapping on these band-aids to keep this, you know, hunk of a junk automobile going based off of all these past things, like you said, Diego, and like that's kind of snippet touched on is, you know, you're trying to recreate something over and over again and just scrap it. Like sometimes you have to know when to walk away and start something from starting to start anew. So I like where you're headed there as far as you know, going back to Diego, reading through that eloquent statement there. It's also turning the visibility on myself that we all need to be responsible and accountable to real work, right? We cannot challenge the status quo. We cannot look forward into the future if I'm not willing to do the real work to improve my brand, my image, my output, as generous as I will be, I, it won't happen unless I do the hard work. And, you know, challenging that status quo really requires a version of risk, right? And we've got to put our reputation out there on the line. And that is okay. That That is what we want to do. And, you know, the thing I applaud here for all of our GBAs and our leadership here at Omni Interactions is we support putting ourselves out there for risk, right? We, we want to fail fast, iterate fast, and we embrace the risk of change as our normal, right? Does this always feel great? No, it, it's human tendency to say, ooh, are we moving too fast? Are we changing too fast? But the answer is never yes. It's how do we embrace this a little bit more and how do I put in a little bit more accountability and responsibility inward to make sure that I'm embracing this change of the challenging of the status quo? So, and you know, for either one of you, uh, how do you get yourself or your organization ready to embrace this change uh, or the challenging of the status quo of how it's been? It's kind of peeling off the onion, right? Like peeling off the layers of what have you been doing and the core of the onion, 
why have we been doing this and why is this the case and well it's gonna take some time like with each peel back i'm just gonna keep on that onion kind of <laughs> phrase here but it, with each peel back you're gonna kind of get a, a greater smell and realize okay this isn't as, as pretty as we thought it was going to be um and each time you're pulling back you can make those little changes like we talked about at the beginning and that's how you can embrace yourself for the larger change it's going to change management of chunk by chunk, little by little, you're dicing things up. And by the end, you're using this onion, we're gonna stick there, and you're making this great recipe um, based off something that was kind of done. And that's kind of a, a phrase to a frame to get yourself to a place and, and even your organization too. To, to evolve from where we've been taught as leaders in the past, it's there's every situation, it's a win-lose situation uh, itself, where in order for my idea to work, your idea must lose itself. It's a very scarce mentality thinking, uh, especially today in the business world. There is enough ideas and wins out there for it to be a win-win situation. I know we have a yes and philosophy here. Of yes, and we can go complete this together. So we are building on each other's ideas. Now, Diego, how do you think we've evolved as leaders here recently to, to better serve our community? It's listening to those ideas, right? What everybody has to say and what everybody brings up. And there are ways that you can um, not fall into that trap of, of only one idea can stand. Uh, I'll give you an example that we do with the social media content. When we have uh, two ideas that are that we think both could work, we do A-B testing and that's it, right? Uh, all of our platforms allow us to do post the two things and see which one performs best and, and look at why they perform better and what we can learn from that, right? And and it's always about that, listening to what everybody's is is thinking and what everybody brings to the table. Then the other the other thing uh, that I will think is important here is keep asking what if, right? Um, with technology, with uh, new things that come up, you, you have to keep telling yourself with that question, right? What if we did this this way? What if we tried this other thing? What if uh, we did the logo on this way? What if we put the copy on this other place? Uh, and all of those challenges, I think asking the what ifs is what keeps you moving. Keeps you moving as well as the the piece that kind of stuck out to me in that is part we were talking about the testing, like the two ideas, listening key on any idea, bring to the table, let's try it. There's two things that where I kind of am going with that. And one, I've done this and I've been in many situations where it's done is people just want to get something into, into play and just end. Like, just do this, go. Meeting done, adjourned. We need to go, you know, put out the fire on Main Street. This is just, let's just do this. And that's bad. Like, I that, that's something I've done and something I, I witnessed still today, right? And it never fixes the situation. You might get lucky and it calms everything for a minute, but those like quick fixes typically boil back up. And I think from, from your point, Diego, when you can have multiple ideas and you take the time to understand, I get that situations can be time sensitive, but if you try something out, set a timeline, like go back to it. Even if it is a quick fix that you're, you're, you don't have a choice but to do a quick fix, don't just leave it. Like set time to go back to it. And like your point, set time to go to test A, test B, see what worked well, and then, you know, bring these new ideas. But the quick fixes, they're just scary and they're bad. 
Um, and yeah, listen to all the ideas. Like, give it give it time to come out to something. I, I love that, Zach. And where you're listening to to multiple ideas. You know, we've got to we got to think fast in today's world. But there are lots of ideas out there, and sometimes that the best idea does not come to fruition on the first conversation. You know, a lot of times I need to go on a long run. I need to. All of our greatest thoughts, I mean, they happen in the shower and we forget them by the time we dry off, you know, so that's the the tough part about it. But sometimes they, they reminisce and they change our thought process to, to OK, here's how we can yes and that one. Uh, you know, I go back and I think about this of embracing it personally um, and a, a story of do you remember the Klutz's Guide? Do either one of you, have you ever one of you heard of that? It's no? like K-L-U-T-T-Z. Yes. I I like not enough to speak to it, but I've seen that name like in places. I, all right. As a kid, I wanted to juggle. So I got the Klutz's Guide on how to juggle. And I despised the book as a child. Why? Because the first chapter was all about throwing the ball in the air and letting it hit the ground. My perfectionism said, no, that's not how you learn. That's not how you juggle. You don't juggle by letting the balls hit the ground. But the cognitive bias and the habit I would have built, I can't juggle today because I never let the balls hit the ground. But if we allow that to happen and we start to train our brain to fight that initial cognitive habit of, oh, I can't let this drop, then we can start taking things to the next level. Then we can start saying yes and a little bit easier. Uh, and then we don't have to you know, fight this, this bias of, ooh, no, that's, that's just not how we do it around here. Um, now, before we, we wrap up, I want to, you know, let both of you, uh, you know, if you have any other insights you want to throw out there. I just want to say uh, you did, with everything you have on your plate, you probably did become a successful juggler, just not with balls, <laughs> more with projects and tasks. <laughs> I, I could do the, the, the whole Will Smith juggling. Have you seen that? Uh, you have it, Zach, because you didn't watch The Office. But uh, from The Office, he pretends to be a ball juggler. But anyway, um, awesome. Now, this is a super awesome conversation. We've kind of taken this uh, this thought process of how to uh, be not so scared of change itself. And then last week, we really addressed chasing the uncomfortable or the discomfortable, as I eloquently put it. Uh, and then this week we really started thinking, well, how do we put that apply in action? And how do we improve ourselves to help our our business partners, help our customers, help our clients to really challenge the status quo to make things better for everyone around us? Next week, we're going to talk a, a little bit further into our, our final episode on change itself. And, and this one is going to be a little bit more distinct. We, we're going to really start talking about 1% daily change. And how do we put all of this into action to really start to get the ramping up expertise of embracing change and continuing to grow as human beings? All right, uh, let's see here. Now a uh, quick pick em time. Uh, Diego, what are you geeking out on right now? Many things, but the one thing that stood out this weekend was, um, have you heard about uh, Dolly, uh, this Love AI, it. yeah, generating things. So I was talking with some designer friends and, and some other people about um, how do they feel about artificial intelligence generating art, uh, doing artworks. And we did some beautiful portraits of our dogs, <laughs> obviously. 
So a um, pug painted by Raphael, a schnauzer painted by Dali, uh, just a, a lot of different <laughs> dumb things that we did there. But uh, I, I don't know. That's what I've been geeking out about and thinking, how can we use that technology for things here? But also, I don't know. What, what do you guys think about art, uh, like artificial intelligence going into art? I, I have two schools of thought on it is one, for a plebeian like me that has zero artistic talent whatsoever, it's awesome. I can type something in and it, it creates it for me. And then from the other side of the spectrum, I don't want to start taking away from human artists. Like creativity is awesome itself. Where are we going to find the next artist to AI off of? And then also within there is if I put into Dali with a specific artist's branded way of doing things, you know, am I infringing on that artist's rights to what they've created and put out to the world, right? So I, I do feel on both sides of the, the spectrum towards it. What about you, Zach? I'll be honest, I haven't really touched this one <laughs> very much. Just from hearing the, like, just, you know, overall conversation, I think it's exciting. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> but truthfully, don't have enough to actually have an intelligent thought behind it. Not the first time. Okay. Got it. So our conclusion was kind of technology at the end of the day. So like Photoshop helped us do better with pictures, like Illustrator helps actual painters to do better work. Uh, it's just another tool and the creativity might come from what you're typing in, right? You have to have the ideas in order for it to make them. So yeah, I've tried it and I've tried putting in like full sentences and it does not work really well. Um, you know, I wanted, I think, baby tornadoes over a bridge in a happy setting once and it did not i think i got like toes as babies or something it was really so, really odd and weird anyways what we're not going to do is question why that was being searched <laughs> but, the background yeah, but, of the day you know baby baby tornadoes i don't know i don't know that that's like i'm just picturing you know joining like a client call and all of a sudden they're just like babies spinning around behind you like and like, you know, like tornadoes, baby. Somebody said a baby tornado, and I was like, I wonder what the AI would put out for this. That that's the real thought. When so it you're comes so you, okay. Let me. This is totally derailed, but you're thinking like miniature tornadoes. I was because th I'm thinking like baby dolls that are forming a tornado. I don't know what I was thinking. I really wanted somebody to help guide my thoughts of what to think about when I heard the phrase baby tornadoes. So yeah. question to all of our listeners is, what do you imagine? Babies forming a tornado or a miniature tornado? It's a good question. I'm demented because I just think a baby forming a tornado, but it says a lot about my mind. All right. So, Zach, I'm going to ask you one thing. What are your thoughts on spin-ups? Okay. So I've actually been thinking a lot about this because, you know, it's, it's Halloween time, spooky season, and you have spin-offs, and then you have these, like, non-stop like sequels like halloween like jamie lee curtis how many times are you going to be there how many times is michael going to live but <laughs> spin-offs i feel like there's like a hit or miss and it's like does hollywood have anything left like sometimes i've watched some like really good things that come off um but overall i'm like like right now there's unsolved mysteries that are on netflix i i'm love like i'm a horror person like i love anything crime true crime like you know, baby tornadoes, I'm all about it. Maybe that's why I thought about actual babies. 
<laughs> Please don't hunt, hunt me down, FBI. I promise I'm insane. <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, those spinoffs are great. But then you see something and you watch like, you know, an episode of it. I can't even think of an example. And you're like, keep what was done. Like, I don't, you know, I know, Joe, you're all about like the House of Dragons life, the Game of Thrones life. I'm, I'm not there. I, winter's coming, but I mean, I hope it's snow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts on all of that? Great question there. Uh, I give my thoughts on uh, the Lord of the Rings spinoff last week. But, uh, yeah, House of Dragons surprised me. At first, it was, you know, like this prequel happening, and they, like, skipped 10 years ahead and didn't really tell anybody. I mean, again, communication's important. Setting the theme (laughs) is important, right? So I was kind of confused for a while of what just happened. But then you just move on, right? And I think that's what they wanted us to do. But surprisingly, you know, we just date, you know, when we're, we're recording this, the, the final is out, and it got better. Uh, it, it's a great family drama, and uh, it was a great way to end it. Um, you know, Dago gave me some sad news. I didn't look that far into it, but, you know, we've got to wait two years for that huge cliffhanger. But again, they did it right. You know, they ended up doing well. Diego, what are your thoughts on the yeah, House of Dragons? Yeah, I, I liked it. Uh, the same thing that you said, right? Like the timeline jumps uh, kind of got me sometimes, but my only disappointment is that having to wait for two years for the next season to come out, it's a long wait. It's like, why? Like, that's the thing that drives me, like, like in the streaming industry, it's so fun. I know HBO Max is a little bit differently. Like, they, a lot of times, will do, like, an episode a week, but... Even if you have Netflix, like Stranger Things, like you wait so long. And like, I love when they do recaps at the beginning of episodes, because sometimes I have like too many glasses of wine and I really don't remember the last one. <laughs> and some of those recaps are excellent. But I mean, just having to wait like a, even one, like a year, it's too much. Like Stranger Things did with that season split that was kind of unnecessary. They already had the episodes. Like, why? Yeah, why? Right, the appetite, take, I guess. Uh, hot take, maybe a hot cake. Um, what's your preference? Do you like the buildup of having to wait a week for the next episode, or do you want to watch all of them straight on through? I've rarely binge like in a whole day. I'm a child, I do, and I can't stay up late. Like I, I'm not that much. So, <laughs> but I, uh, my approach though is I want the ability deep down. If I want to keep going for an episode, like now I gotta wait. Like White Lotus, love that comes back this Sunday. But now I have to wait every Sunday. And sometimes I'll just let it build up mm-hmm. and avoid spoilers to my best of my ability so I can have like a binge effect. What about you, Diego? Sometimes like having weekly episodes because then it like I have something to watch all the time because of that. Um, but I do like binging every now and then. So I don't know. It's a good mix of both, right? The ones that release full season, I appreciate that because then I can uh, jump on the stationary bike and watch like three episodes or something, but then the other ones, they keep me, I don't know, I like both things, I guess. I think it's the the quality of the content itself, right? If it's got a great story, I almost prefer the wait, the buildup, because it's a, it's a conversation in the social world. It's a conversation through DMs, through text. Uh, but, you know, if it's kind of a uh, lower-run production... I just need to binge it. Uh, you get one shot to impress me, and then I'm moving on. Uh, you know, so we go from there. Well, uh, you know, these are some hot trends and topics, uh, definitely for sure, that are, are coming through to fruition. Uh, and I think at this time, 
I just want to remind everyone that innovation is taking two things that exist and putting them together in a new way. Let's not repeat the past, but let's move on to the future. As always, keep hashtag learning and let us know what you're learning about too. Uh, please like and subscribe to our channel for more great content. I am Joe Bear, and for my co-hosts, Zach and Diego, this is Behind the Beard. Hashtag Omniverse to the moon. Yeah, like sometimes um, you can go into, into an organization and see how things are happening in there. No, I have no idea how to how to start this story.